Good morning. Good morning. Glad to have everybody with us this morning. Thank you for joining us for worship today. Those of you who are joining us online, thank you for uh, clicking on and, and joining us for worship as well. Uh, if you haven't been with us uh, on Sunday mornings for a while, this may not be big news to you, but for those of you who have been coming, uh, this is a big deal today. I'm actually seeing everybody's face, you know. That's, we haven't seen that in months, so we're excited to have you with us this morning. We're doing um, mask optional today, so if you want to keep your mask on, you're welcome to. Uh, there's no problems with that, but if you want to take that off while we're singing and worshiping together, feel free to do that. We are still, um, let me take care of a couple of housekeeping things. We're still doing communion the same way we have been, so we will have some communion thoughts and prayers today, and when that happens, um, after we're done with, with the prayer, if you'll just take the communion cup that you have on your chair this morning, peel off the top lid, and you find the wafer there, and then peel off the second lid, and you can drink the juice, and then uh, we'll get those thrown away when worship is over with, so I wanted you to be aware of that. Um, also, when it comes time to give, we'll have uh, a slide at the end of worship that'll show you how you can give online. Or we do have some baskets in the lobby uh, where you can you can give if you have uh, cash or check with you this morning and want to want to offer that way. You're welcome to do that. For those of you with kids, we're we're getting there. We're uh, not too far down the road. We're almost sure. Not too far down the road. We're going to get our certificate of occupancy. We're going to be able to have kids classes over in the in the renovated part of our building as soon as possible. But until then, uh, we do have some activity bags out in our lobby, and if you got little ones and you need to help keep them engaged uh, while you're engaging in worship here with us, feel free to go get one of those uh, and, and make use of that. And then also, um, over here in, in this corner of our lobby, we do have a nursery available, um, I mean, for any age kids, I guess, but if you need to take a, a little one in, in there, there's a monitor in there that you can continue to see what's going on in here, but you can be in there with your child um, if you need to take advantage of that. So everybody be aware of those things. That's our housekeeping stuff to take care of this morning. I'm excited to be worshiping with you today. Uh, we're going to be singing praises together. We're going to be talking to God in prayer. We're going to be, uh, as I already said, uh, celebrating the, the, the death and also the resurrection of Jesus as we take communion together. We're going to be spending time in the Word together. I believe you're going to be blessed because you chose to come here this morning, not just because you get to take a mask off, but because you get to be with other people, worshiping our God together, being reminded of what an awesome God we have, and being reminded of what a blessing it is to be a part of a church family, uh, a church family full of flawed people who are all forgiven by an amazing Savior. And so we're going to worship together and celebrate together this morning. I'm glad you chose to be with us. Let's pray. Let's ask God to bless our worship, and then let's begin praising Him together. Father God, thank you for today. Thank you so much for the opportunity to worship. Thank you for the people who are joining us online and worshiping with us from wherever they are and experiencing uh, even, even where they are being connected with us. We thank you for that. We thank you for the folks who have come here in this room uh, to worship together, to lift praises to your name and uh, to be encouraged by each other and encouraged by you. And so God, I pray that your spirit is already filling this place, that your presence is here as we worship you together. And that, uh, most of all, God, you would speak to us today, that you would open our ears and our hearts to hear whatever it is that you want to put on our hearts today. And may we leave here uh, ready to go be the people that you have called us to be. And Father, I also pray for anybody that's here this morning, anybody that's joined us online this morning that is, is carrying some kind of a burden, whether that's physical sickness, whether that's some emotional struggles, some relationship issues, a, a spiritual problem. God, I pray that they would be willing to give those things to you. Share those things with us so that we can help in whatever way we can and give those burdens to you so that they can be set free to live the life that you have provided for us through your son, Jesus. So I pray you just go to work today, God, and do, do your will as we worship you together. May everything we do uh, help us to lift your name and draw us closer to you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. 
Good morning, Flagstone. Hey, everybody up on your feet today. Good to see everybody. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. At the name of Jesus, every tongue confess. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. Every knee shall bow at his name. He is the wonderful counselor. He is the mighty God. He is the everlasting Father. He is the Prince of Peace. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. At the name of Jesus, every tongue confess. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. Every knee shall bow at his name. There is no other name. No name by which we're saved. There is no other name. But Jesus, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. At the name of Jesus, every tongue confess. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. Every knee shall bow at his name. There is no other name. No name by which we're saved. There is no other name but Jesus. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. At the name of Jesus, every tongue confess. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. Every knee shall bow at his name. Every knee shall bow at his name. You are holy. You are mighty. You are worthy. Worthy of praise. I will follow. I will listen. I will love. I will listen. I will 
Marshall's going to be talking about uh, the fight till the end today, and uh, this relates to a couple things in my life, but uh, I've always played baseball since a kid, and uh, when a few years ago we played a game on a Sunday afternoon, and uh, it went into nine extra innings, and uh, my, my team struggled to score runs, and it was tied the whole time, and, uh, but that was a great example of uh, fighting till the end. But in Jesus' life, um, he went through his whole life knowing he was going to die for us. But he kept going, and he kept being a, a caring man and a sacrifice for us and everything. And uh, even though he was known, he knew he was going to die at a young age. He just kept fighting to the end. Second Timothy 4, verse uh, 7 through 8 um, says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. 
and I have kept faith. Now, now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will reward, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all that long for his appearing. Jesus did everything for a purpose, knowing he was going to die for us. Yet he still saved and helped many people while on the earth. Um, we take the bread and the juice to remind us that Jesus fought till the end. Please pray with me. Dear our Father, thank you so much for all you sacrificed for us. The battle you fought and for us the battle you fought for us to be in heaven with you. Please speak to Marshall as he gives us a lesson this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's everyone stand for the song before the sermon. What Dawson failed to mention right there was they won that game. Yeah, because he was playing on my team. And it was, it was my anniversary, and so Christy and I actually left the tournament early, and we were sitting on the, in Destin watching the game, but they did. They fought to the end. Hey, I'm, I can't say how proud I am of, of Dawson and and these young people for getting up here on the stage and doing this. If you've never gotten up here to, to lead in any way, I want to encourage you to do so. It's nerve-wracking, um, but, you know, it just feels good. It just feels good. All right, Days of Elijah. These are the days of Elijah, declaring the word of the Lord. And these are the days of your servant, Moses' righteousness being restored. And though these are days of great trials, of famine and darkness and sword, still we are the voice in the desert, crying, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Come on. Behold, he comes, riding on the clouds, shining like the sun. At the trumpet call, so lift your voice. It's a year of jubilee, and out of Zion's hill, salvation comes. And these are the days of Ezekiel, the dry bones becoming as flesh. And these are the days of your servant, David, rebuilding a temple of praise. And these are the days of the harvest, the fields are as white in the world. And we are the laborers in your vineyard, declaring word of the Lord. Behold, he comes, riding on clouds, shining like the sun, at the trumpet call, so lift your voice, it's a year of jubilee. Behold, he comes, riding on the clouds, shining like the sun. At the trumpet calls, 
It's year of jubilee, and out of Zion's hill salvation comes. So lift your voice. It's year of jubilee, and out of Zion's hill salvation comes. You may be seated. So we've been talking the last several weeks about about fighting, about getting into the fight, about becoming better fighters, and, and specifically about choosing to fight, not retreating, not surrendering, not just sitting around and doing nothing, but actually engaging um, in the battles. And, and uh, we've talked about the enemy that we have, this, this dangerous, this powerful enemy in Satan that we have, and all the different ways that he attacks us, all the different, all the different battles that we have to face um, against him. The plans that, that he has to, to hurt us, to hurt people that we care about, to hurt our faith, to hurt our connection with God, and just being, being willing to engage in that battle, recognizing, as a matter of fact, as we talked about before, the battle's already here, that it's not something that we have to wait for, that there are things happening in our, in our lives, in, in our world, in our community, battles that we need to fight, and it's already there, and we need to choose to engage in those things. We, we need to choose um, to fight. And this morning... Um, we're, as, as Dawson already mentioned, we're talking about fighting to the end, about choosing a fight to the end and, and understanding exactly what that means and, and what, what is required of us if we have that kind of mindset. And I, I was thinking of different, you know, just different battles uh, that, that I've known about from history classes and documentaries and things like that. Or, I mean, you might think of not necessarily military battles, but maybe even, you know, matches like boxing matches or athletic contests. So we talk about staying in the fight uh, to the end. You know, Dawson just mentioned a, a baseball game and fighting to the end of that. There's lots of different things that come to mind when you think about finishing, about finishing the race and finishing the fight and, and, and keeping on going until the very end. And one of the, one of the, things that kind of resonate with me that I want to share with you this morning. Maybe it's something you already knew about. Maybe you never knew or maybe you just forgot. But the battle of the, I, I guess we call it the battle of the Alamo. Uh, you know, when the Mexicans are fighting against the, the, the guys from Texas and they're in the Alamo and there's only a hundred some out of them and there's these thousands of Mexican soldiers that they're fighting against and, and the battle goes on for days and days and days. Uh, but there, was, there are different people there, you know, famous in our history books, uh, you know, for a variety of different reasons. One of those guys was Jim Bowie. And Jim Bowie's known also for inventing the, in, inventing the Bowie knife. Uh, but he was there at the Alamo and he was fighting. Um, but, the, but the problem was in the last days of the battle, he had gotten really sick, like just physically sick, and was laying in bed. He couldn't even get up out of his bed to fight. So there's soldiers that are, that are shooting guns and fighting and doing all those things, and he's laying in bed. And there's a lot of different eyewitness accounts of that final battle. There's a lot of different versions of, of what happened or what might have happened. But more, more of the most reliable accounts say that, that even when the soldiers, the Mexican soldiers, rushed into the Alamo and are killing all, the, all these you know, Texas defenders, um, that Jim Boo is still laying in his bed. And they, they were going through the building. They find him. And that even while he's in his bed, cannot get up to physically fight, that he's got a couple of pistols and he shoots a couple of those guys and, and maybe even had, you know, a, a sword or his knife or something was fighting off these guys that they came to attack him in his bed until they, you know, bayoneted him to death, uh, which is a horrible way to go. But the point is, like, he was still, he was still fighting. 
Even when he physically couldn't get up to fight, even when he couldn't be with the rest of the soldiers to fight, he was still fighting. This is, it's a great picture that I wanted to put in our minds this morning of what it means and what it looks like to fight to the end. And I think it's important for us to, to have that, that mindset uh, this morning as we, as we continue to think about what it means to fight, to choose to, to battle and to fight against the attacks that Satan brings um, into our lives. And I'll be honest with you, I told the 9 o'clock service this this morning, this is one of those sermons today that I, I'm not for sure that you're going to walk away going, man, there's a whole bunch of stuff I, I had never even thought about before. That's all brand new to me. This is probably going to be stuff that's fairly familiar to you, to be honest with you. But I wanted us to be encouraged this morning from the Word of God, from His Spirit, and also from each other, to encourage each other to keep fighting that we've been going through the last few weeks about how to fight and how to become a better fighter, how to get to the core of the battle and how to, how to truly stay in there and choose to engage and choose to fight. And, and I want to kind of put it, I guess, wrap that whole concept up by encouraging all of us, let's keep fighting. Because even if we choose to fight and even if we, if we learn how to become better fighters in the spiritual battles that, that we fight against, there's going to be the temptation to stop. There's going to be the temptation to quit and to surrender. I mean, think about the different battles that we talked about, how Satan can attack, you know, our families. He attacks marriages. He attacks the, the relationship between spouses through, you know, not knowing how to communicate or through bitterness and anger or through financial issues or maybe through emotional affairs, physical affairs. You know, there's all sorts of different things that can attack our marriages. There's, there's ways that he attacks our families between, like, parents and their relationship with their kids or kids and their relationship with their parents and just a lack of communication, lack of closeness. There's this distance that he uh, helps to foster and create. There's some anger and bitterness that, that can take place there, some emotional issues, maybe even abuse. Uh, that takes place in families. And Satan uses those things to attack. He attacks our friendships and our relationships through, you know, gossip and through jealousy and envy and comparison um, and, and through anger and, and, and bitterness and resentment. And he uses those things to, to drive a wedge between us and maybe some people that we really need in our lives or they need us in their lives. He attacks us individually. He attacks our, our own concept, our own, our own sense of our, our, our value and who we are, and how much we're worth, and what it really means to be who we are. He, he attacks that sense of us having any real meaning or purpose in this life. He attacks us with guilt and, and feeling bad about mistakes of the past and not turning loose to those things. He attacks us with depression and with anxiety and even loneliness and feeling like we're just going through this life on our own. These are powerful weapons that Satan uses. He attacks us with just habits and addictions and, and getting us to repeat those same behaviors over and over and, and the frustration that comes with saying, I'm never going to do that again, and then I do that again. And the, and the guilt that comes from those, that's a powerful weapon that Satan uses. He attacks us, our faith with doubt and with wondering if there really is a God, and if there really is a God, is he really active in this world? Is he really active in my life? Does he even care? Wondering if this story that we celebrate every single week is actually true. Wondering if, if we talk about this, this God that's like no other God, if that's, if that's real or if that's just something kind of made up in our minds. Satan uses those things to attack us. He attacks our communities with questions about all sorts of different issues and, and, and dividing us over those things so we can't even have conversations about some of those things. We're just, we just rely on anger and hate and, and frustration and retaliation. All these different battles, all these different tactics and strategies that our enemy uses against us. And 
Sometimes we fight. A lot of times we fight. Sometimes we fail. We surrender. We give in. But I think that one of the things that I want to challenge us with today is Satan doesn't just attack us with the weapons that I've, that I've already mentioned. But he'll use, he'll use failure. And he'll use fatigue. And he'll use uh, just the challenge of just feeling overwhelmed and like I'm not, I'm not really gaining any ground. I'm not really moving forward in my faith or in my life. He'll use those things. He'll use those times when I feel like I tried this before. I tried to fight. I tried to do something different. I've, I've tried to engage and it just didn't work. He'll use those times when I said, my life is going to be different. I'm going to be a different person now. I'm going to do things different than I ever have. And then I go right back to my old, my old habits and just, and just fail and get tired of repeating that behavior. To the point where I just go, you know what? This is it. I'm done. I'm done trying. I'm not even going to put in the effort anymore. Because all I'm going to do is end up failing down the road anyway. If I don't fail immediately, I'll fail on down the road. And so why even try in the first place? And my guess is that with as many people as there are in this room right now, as many people as are joining us online, there's some of us that have struggled with that, maybe even struggling with it right now. That we, we come to church and we spend our time with Christian people, we even spend time on the Word, and we know, we know the choice that we're supposed to make. We know the things that we're supposed to do. But we keep failing at those things, and the more that we fail, the more we start to question ourselves. Can I even do this? Can I even live this life that God has asked me to live? Or am I just, am I just doomed to be a failure? And if I start to believe that strongly enough, then, then I get to the point where I'm just like, you know, why even try? What's the point? And so we give up, we quit. We don't fight anymore. And what I want us to be encouraged to do today is to keep fighting and to fight to the end. And it's a conscious decision. It's, a, it, it, I, it's not something that just happens. It's me choosing to say, I'm, I might fail again, but I'm going to choose to step forward. I'm going to choose to get up and go again. I'm going to choose to keep fighting. Now, the question is, that sounds great, but how do I do that? I, I want to keep fighting. I want to keep stepping forward. I want to get back up when I fall and keep going again. I'm just not for sure exactly how to do that. Let me give you some things that all of us can work on together as far as th that will help us, help enable us to keep fighting to the end. And one of the things that I need to do is I need to fight with armor. I need to fight with armor. Let me put it this way. Going in this battle against Satan, don't fight naked. Don't go into the battle without your armor on. And, and that's what a lot of us do. We're just like, oh, well, here's a problem. Here's the temptation. Okay, well, I guess I'll try not to do that particular thing. And we're not armored up at all. We don't have our armor on. We're not ready to fight. And we should be. And maybe, maybe the armor looks a little bit different than what we would normally think of. I mean, we talked a couple weeks ago about David. When David went to fight against Goliath, all he had was a slingshot and a stick. That wasn't your typical armor, but it was armor nonetheless. I mean, David didn't walk out there against Goliath, this nine-foot-tall guy with full armor on, and go, okay, here we go, let's do this. He had at least a little bit of armor with him, right? And we're called to have our armor on as well. And Paul says this in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 13, therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, when the battle comes, when you engage in this fight, you may be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything to stand. 
Now, again, it's not typical armor. It's not helmets and guns and shields. You know, it's not physical armor that we're talking about. If you keep reading the verses after this, if you've got your Bibles or your Bible apps open, look at the stuff that he talks about that, he arm, that we arm ourselves with. Now, he talks about helmets and shields and breastplates and all that, but, it, but it's, the, it's the actual weapon, what it's made of, that he talks about we need to defend ourselves with. We need to, we need to defend ourselves with faith. We need to arm ourselves with faith, with believing that the story of Jesus is actually true. That this word is not just a made-up story. It's not just a fairy tale. These things really happen. And we really do have an amazing God who loves us with a passion and sent his son to die for us. And that that death gave us victory. We need to believe that that's true. And that needs to be at the core of everything that we think about ourselves and how we view other people. That's what faith is. And Paul says, arm yourselves with that. Arm yourselves with, with time in the word. Let God speak to you through his word. Let him speak to you through his spirit. Spend some time letting him talk to you. Arm yourself with, with truth from him. Arm yourself with just knowing what truth is, what is real and what is genuine in this world. Arm yourself with, with speaking truth. Be willing to be honest and genuine with other people about your faith and about who you are and about what God has done for you. That's armor. That's how you get ready to fight. That's how you defend yourselves against the attacks that Satan uh, brings. Making right choices. Do the right thing. You know what the right thing is. Now just go do it. Arm yourselves with, with, with the Holy Spirit. Recognizing there is a Holy Spirit living inside of me and the Holy Spirit is moving. I mean, Paul says in Galatians chapter 5, we have a spirit and we need to keep in step with him. He's on the move. He's directing me in the direction I need to go. I just need to go. Paul says, arm yourselves with prayer. You have the king of the universe at your disposal. So talk to him. Ask him to engage. Ask him to fight. I mean, the promise is that he'll fight for you, not just with you. Ask him to do so. You see all these different pieces of armor? All these different weapons that we have at our disposal? How much are we actually using those things? Paul says, man, if you want to fight and fight well and fight to the end, put on your armor. And I think it's important that he says, put on the full armor of God. I mean, how ridiculous would it be for someone to enter into the military, go through all the training, all the, all the time and effort and money and everything that goes into military training and be, and be trained in even how to use all the different weapons that, that soldiers have at their disposal and then run out onto the battlefield with just a T-shirt on. You have all these other things to use and you don't even use them? That would be ridiculous, wouldn't it? Or even for a soldier to gather up guns, helmet bullets, everything, just hold them in his arms and go running out into the battlefield. It wouldn't work, would it? The same thing happens in our spiritual battles, folks. We have all these weapons at our disposal, and, and, and Paul says, wrap yourselves in it. Be enveloped in your faith and in the spirit and in prayer and in trying to do the right thing. Clothe yourselves with those things so that you can fight. And if I will put on my armor on a consistent basis, that's going to help me fight to the end. I need to also fight with purpose. I need to not only know where the enemy is attacking me from, but I need to know why it is that I'm choosing to engage in this battle in the first place. Why am I choosing to fight? What's my purpose in, in fighting this battle? 
Because quite honestly, if I don't know why I'm fighting, then I'm less likely to keep fighting. Does that make sense? What would be the point of me continuing in the struggle if I don't even know why I'm continuing in the struggle? What would be the point of me continuing to fight for my family, for my faith, for my friendships, if I don't really know why I'm actually doing that? What's the purpose? What, what's, the, what's the goal? So Paul gives us a purpose in, chapter, in Titus chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. He says, The grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. And it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Look at what Paul says. We have grace and we have salvation. We have been saved from our sins. If I, if I choose to believe the story of Jesus is true and I choose to put my faith in him and I choose to make him the Lord of my life, I ask Jesus to, to enter my life, to be the king of my heart. If I, if I choose to repent of my sins, if I choose to be baptized in the blood of Jesus and wear his name, I am saved from my sins. That's what the cross is for. That's what Jesus did that for was to save me. And I couldn't save myself. This is where the grace part comes in. I couldn't do anything about that myself. I couldn't rescue myself from darkness. I couldn't rescue myself from this addiction. I couldn't save myself from the sin that I am lost in. I had to have Jesus Christ come and find me and take my sin and nail it to the cross. And not only did he nail my sin to the cross, he rose from the grave so I don't even have to fear death when this life is over. And that is a gift. Isn't it amazing? Think of all the gifts you've been given for Christmas, for birthdays, for random occasions. The fact that the, the, the God of the universe loved you so much that he sent his only son to rescue you from the pit of sin and despair just because he loved you. What an amazing gift, isn't it? It is, isn't it? Okay, just making sure we're all, we're all still hearing. This amazing grace, this amazing gift of salvation. And Paul goes on to say, that gives me my purpose. It teaches me. It, it causes me to say no to the things that Satan throws out there in front of me. It causes me to fight against temptation and to fight against ungodly choices and to battle against the things that he attacks me with. What is it that, that moves me to do that? The fact that I have grace from God Almighty. And there, there could be a whole bunch of other reasons you might come up with, but that is our purpose. I have been saved by the blood of Jesus for no other reason than my heavenly Father loved me that much. So yeah, I'm going to go fight. Because that's worth fighting for. That's worth holding on to. That's my purpose. That's why I fight. I need to fight with my armor. I need to fight with purpose. I need to fight with confidence. And maybe this is one of the biggest struggles for many of us is to fight with a, with a belief and a trust that we're actually going to win. And if I'm going to really fight against my addictions, if I'm going to really fight against my habits, if I'm going to really fight against the problems in this, this relationship, this friendship, if I'm going to fight against you know, anger and resentment, if I'm going to fight against the things that, that fight against my own self-control, I'm not going to be successful unless I choose to believe that I'm actually going to win. Yes, I need, to, I, I need to have a reason to fight. I need to have a purpose. But I also need to believe that I have already been empowered and enabled to fight. 
and to believe that even in this struggle, even in this battle that I'm in, that I might, in this one battle, I might fail. But I'm going to get up and I'm going to go again. And I'm going to fight again because I know that ultimately, even if I struggle and even if I slip up and even if I fall, ultimately I'm going to win. Do I actually believe that to be true? I mean, one of the greatest examples of this to me is, is uh, you know, one of Jesus' disciples named Peter. And I've shared this with his church family before, so I won't spend a whole lot of time on it this morning. But Peter, you know, spent all this time with Jesus. And the night before Jesus' death, Peter's standing up in front of the other disciples and going, man, Jesus, I'm with you no matter what. Whatever happens, I will never leave your side. Even if somebody tries to kill you, they're going to have to get through me first. And I will never lose my faith in you. And I will never leave your side. And I will always be right there with you, Jesus. And a few hours, not a few weeks, not a few days, a few hours later, same guy is going, Jesus, who's Jesus? I don't know Jesus. Who's that guy? And once he recognizes how colossal a failure that was, he weeps. He weeps tears of regret. He weeps tears of disappointment in himself. He weeps tears of guilt. And when Jesus, you know, dies on the cross and is buried and and is raised to life on the third day, Peter's so excited. The rest of the disciples are excited. I can't believe it. It's amazing. Jesus is alive. That's awesome. And you know Peter is like, Jesus is alive? Oh, yeah. Jesus is alive? Oh, no. Because he's going to know what I said. He's going to remember what I said and then what my actions actually were. He's, he's going to know how bad I failed. If you go to the end of the book of John, Jesus is having a conversation with Peter and, and three different times, three different times, Jesus looks at Peter and says, Peter, I need you to be a leader. I need you to lead my flock. I need you to take care of my sheep. I, I, we're not done yet. And there's so much there in that conversation. I mean, you can look at it just, you know, Peter's is, is probably still worrying about, you know, how Jesus really feels about him. He's probably struggling with, still with feelings of guilt and, and, and failure. And Jesus, in, in that moment, of consistently saying to, to Peter, take care of my sheep, feed my sheep, take care of my lambs. He's telling Peter, Peter, I know you failed. Everybody knows you failed. But you are not a failure. You're not a failure. Let's keep going. There is, there is, there is nothing that you can do that will cause me to stop loving you. There's nothing that you can do that will cause me to stop believing in you. I need that kind of confidence, folks. If I'm going to fight whatever the addiction, whatever the habit, whatever the relationship problem, whatever the financial struggle, whatever the sin in my life is, I need to know that I might fail, but even if I do, I'm not a failure. Paul says in Romans chapter 8, verses 38 and 39, I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There is nothing in this world that I can say or do that will cause my God to stop loving me. 
I just got to keep fighting. I got to keep fighting and have the confidence to know he's going to be with me no matter what. And even if I slip up and even if I fail, he's going he's to pick me up. We're going to talk more about that here in just a minute. But we need to fight. We need to fight with confidence. We need to fight with purpose. And we need to fight with our armor on. Recognizing I can't lose. I can't, ultimately, I can't lose this battle unless I choose to stop fighting. God's never going to stop forgiving me. God's never going to stop loving me. That connection between me and him is never going to be severed. It's me that chooses to walk away from it. So keep fighting. Fight to the end. Now, there's different parts of our lives, I think, that we, that we need to really focus on fighting to the end of. Let me give you some of those very quickly this morning. We'll be done. I need to fight apathy to the end. Now, what I mean by that is I need to fight lack of enthusiasm. I need to fight lack of concern. I need to fight the... the, the desire to just quit trying and again whether it's whether it's my marriage or whether it's my relationship with my kids my relationship with with my parents whether it's you know trying to become a better steward with the with the finances i have whether it's fighting the you know against the temptation not help other people who i have the ability to help whether it's fighting an addiction fighting for my faith whatever it is too many times i just get to the point where it's like well this is where i'm at right now and it's not going to ever be any better because every time I try to make it better, I end up messing up. So you know what? I'm just, I'm just not going to try anymore. And we can come up with all sorts of, 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 of rationalizations for that. Well, I'm, I'm, really, I'm really busy. I'm really focused on some things right now. I'll, I'll fight that battle later. Or I've tried it before uh, and, and it just didn't work, so I'm just, I'm just not going to try this time. Uh, it takes a lot of effort, and man, I, I'm just not sure I want to put in that kind of effort right now. And what it really boils down to is I just don't want to. To fight in this particular battle for this relationship, for this marriage, for, this, for my soul. We may not want to articulate it that way, but it really boils down to, I just don't want to fight anymore. And really, I don't want to fight anymore because honestly, I just don't care. I need to fight feelings of apathy. I need to fight the feeling that tries to convince me that it's not worth it, so why even try? Hebrews chapter 10, the author of Hebrews is talking to Christians there who at one time used to be very involved in the community. They used to help people who were being persecuted. They used to stand by them and, and, and go visit them in prison and do all sorts of things to help, help people. And for whatever reason, the author of Hebrews doesn't go into it, but for whatever reason, they stopped doing that. They just quit trying. They quit trying to serve. They quit trying to help. And they quit trying to be engaged in people's lives and involved in, in serving others. They, and it wasn't that they had completely walked away from their faith. It wasn't they were like, forget this Jesus stuff. Forget this church stuff. I'm done. They just weren't trying anymore. And so he says in, in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 36, you need to persevere. What's he saying? You need to keep fighting. So that when you've done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. Keep loving, keep serving, keep helping, keep supporting, keep forgiving, keep doing those things. Is it, is it exhausting and frustrating sometimes? Sure. Keep doing it. Fight apathy. Fight not caring. Fight not trying. 
to the very end. Because it is a powerful weapon that Satan uses to convince me that it's not even worth the effort. You got to fight that. I need to fight sin to the end. And I know that uh, we're in church. Of course, we're going to fight sin to the end. But I feel like it's important to actually say it. We need to fight sin to the end. We need to fight whatever the temptation, whatever the addiction, whatever the habit, whatever the, whatever the ungodly choice is, we need to fight it and keep fighting it. And if we slip up and, and dive back into it, we need to get out of it and fight it again. And if I'm having trouble fighting, if I'm struggling against that, ask for somebody to help me, but keep fighting. Don't let Satan win. I, I'll, I'll confess something to you guys here. I don't do this every time, but on a few occasions, I've gotten sick, gone to the doctor, gotten a prescription for some medication, started the medication, felt better, stopped taking the medication. Guess what happened? Oh, it's happened to you too? Okay. So I got sick again, right? And the reason I got sick, and usually when I get sick again, it's not just I get sick again, what happens? It's even worse than it was. Why? They didn't finish the medication, okay? Sin is a spiritual sickness. It's a sickness of the soul. I have been convinced that something else is more important than my God, that other choices are more important than the choices that he wants me to make, and it infects my heart and it infects my soul. And I can fight and work to get out of that sin and, be, and, and to be forgiven of it by the grace of Jesus, and not be committing that choice anymore, not giving in that mindset anymore, but then I quit. And I don't pay attention. And I quit struggling. I quit watching for when that might be, that, that temptation might be wanting to creep back in again. And guess what happens? I dive back into it. And now, it's not just that I'm, I'm committing this sin that's breaking the heart of God, that's probably causing me all sorts of problems, but now I got guilt on top of that too because I said I was done with it and I wasn't going to do it anymore. And now here I am doing it again. And it's just worse than it was because I didn't keep fighting it. Jesus gives an analogy in, in Luke, in the book of Luke chapter 11. He talks about a person that has an evil spirit inside him and the evil spirit gets driven out and it goes around for a while and it comes back to the same person that it had been inside before and finds the place, you know, empty and so it moves back in and invites buddies to come along with it. In Luke chapter 11, verses 25 and 26 says, when it arrives, it finds the house swept clean and put in order and then it goes and takes seven other spirits more wicked than itself and they go in and live there and the final condition of that person is worse than the first. Jesus says, I, I, can, I can fight and I can get stuff out of my heart and out of my life, but if I don't keep fighting, guess what happens? It comes back, and not only does it come back, maybe other choices come back with it, and if nothing else, I have the guilt that I'm dealing with because I said I wasn't going to do that anymore, and now it's back again. So keep fighting. And don't rationalize and don't say, oh, just this one time. I fought that battle before, and... and I, I'm done with it. I'm just going to do it this one time because it's not that big a deal. I'm not really getting back into the habit. I'm just going to do it this one time. That's putting away the medication before we're done. That's not finishing the battle. That's not finishing the fight. Fight your sin to the end. And I also need to fight failure to the end. Change doesn't happen overnight. The things that I'm 
that I'm fighting against are not going to be conquered immediately. As nice as it would be to recognize a problem and a sin in my life and go, oh, done, great. That's not the reality, is it? And whatever it is I'm struggling with, it's going to take time, it's going to take effort, and it's going to take awareness of, of where that attack is coming from, and it might even require some outside help. We've talked about getting outside eyes on our lives and, and getting help from other people. It may take a lot of time and effort and, and help from others. And quite honestly, quite honestly, I'm probably going to fail. Maybe multiple times. But I need to fight that feeling of failure. I told you we're going to talk about this again, so I'm not going to spend a whole lot more time here because we've already addressed it. But I need to fight that feeling of failure to the end. There are... There are lots of addicts. There are lots of um, couples. There are lots of individuals that have a hard time, even if they deal with whatever the addiction was, even if they deal with whatever the relationship issue was, even if they deal with whatever the, the habit was, they have a hard time forgiving themselves for the choices that, that they made while they were battling that particular thing. So much so, that the guilt and, and the feeling of failure becomes overwhelming. And they find themselves slipping back into these habits, and that makes it even worse. It's, it's a cycle. I feel bad because I went back into it again, and now I feel guilty. And because I feel guilty, I feel like, well, there, I shouldn't even worry about trying anymore. And so I give into it again, and now I feel even more guilty. And the reason I feel more guilty is because I keep committing the same sin again, getting the same habit, and now I feel even more guilty, and it just gets worse and worse and worse until I get to the point where I just stop fighting altogether. I've got to fight the feeling of failure. I may fail, but because of the blood of Jesus Christ, I am not a failure. There's a big difference. I mean, we talked about Paul last week. In Romans chapter 7, you know, Paul's saying, here's all the good things I want to do. You remember us talking about this? Here's all the good stuff, and I want to do these things, and I know how to do those things, and here's all the bad stuff, and I want to stay away from those things. I don't want to do those things, and I keep going back to the bad stuff. And I get so frustrated, and I get so angry. I mean, he calls himself a wretch. I feel so guilty because I said I wouldn't do these things, and I'm, I'm neck deep in them. What do I do? We talked last week. He relies on the grace of Jesus. But here's the other thing that he does. In Philippians chapter 3, he says this in verses 13 and 14. One thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heaven in Christ Jesus. Listen, I don't know what all the bad stuff was that Paul said he kept doing. But I can look at some of the other aspects of Paul's life and see some colossal failures. I mean, Paul, Paul arrested people, innocent people. He split families apart. He murdered people. After he became uh, a Christian, he still had issues with, with his own ego. He had issues with anger. I mean, he severed some friendships because of his anger. And then there's whatever in Romans chapter 7 he said he does on a regular basis that he shouldn't be doing. We don't even know exactly what that was. But Paul, look at what he says here. I'm not a failure. I failed. I failed multiple times. I'm going to fail some more. But I forget, I forget what is behind, and I keep stepping forward. I get up and I fight again. And I get up and I fight again. And I fail and I fall, and I get up and I fight again. I fight the feeling 
of failure. Folks, we're going to make mistakes. We have flaws. We have regrets. I'm going to fail. But I need to learn. I need to learn from my mistakes, but not live in them. I want to say that again. I need to learn from my mistakes, but not live in them. My failures don't define me. My God does. And I might fail, but I'm not a failure. So don't stay there. Get up and fight. And fight that feeling of failure to the end. We've been talking about fighting to the finish, fighting to the end. I want to wrap up with a couple of things here. Um, there's a movie, as I was preparing thoughts this week to share with you, there's this, there's a scene from a movie that just kept replaying in my mind. And, and uh, it won't be on the screen this morning, but you're welcome to go see it. I'm going to date myself a little bit. It's a movie that came out when I was in high school. It's called The Untouchables. I don't know if you've ever seen it before. But it's a movie of, of Al Capone and Elliot Ness and Elliot Ness trying to, trying to stop Al Capone from all the different crimes that he was committing. At the, if you haven't seen it, I'm going to spoil a little bit for you, so sorry. Um, but at the end of the movie, when Al Capone is on trial and he, and he gets uh, found guilty and the, and the courtroom erupts and everybody's yelling and screaming and pushing and Elliot Ness gets over to where Al Capone is standing. And, and Al Capone's men are kind of holding on to Elliot Ness and they won't let him get close. And some of them are holding on to Al Capone so he won't get close to Elliot Ness and maybe punch him in the face or something. And they get really close to each other. And Elliot Ness says this. He says, never stop. Never stop fighting till the fight is done. And he's like, what would you say? And he says it again. Never stop fighting till the fight is done. And then the movie ends pretty, pretty close to right after that's over. And that concept has been replaying over and over in my mind this week as, as I've been thinking about what I want to share with you. And not, not quitting. Fighting till the fight is done. And I want to ask you this question this morning as we wrap up. Have I stopped fighting when there's still fighting to do? It's a question I want you to ask yourself. Have I stopped fighting when there's still fighting to do? And I would encourage you right now, if you're at home, take a screenshot of that. If Sitting here right now, if you want to write that down or if you want to get your phones out and take a picture of it while it's up on the screen, because I don't want you to answer immediately. I want you to think about it. Maybe you can go home and pray about it. Chew on it a little bit. Looking at my own life right now, the, the ways that Satan is attacking me, the different battles that I'm facing on a regular basis, have I stopped fighting? And if I have... What do I need to do? What do I need to do to start fighting again? Have I stopped fighting for my marriage? Have I stopped fighting for that friendship? Have I stopped fighting for my faith? Is there still a fight left to fight? Or have I just thrown up my hands and quit? Have I stopped fighting when they're still fighting to do. Go back one more time to what the verse we shared from Ephesians 6 at the beginning. In verse 13 when Paul says, Therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes you may be able to stand your ground after you've done everything to stand. I'll be honest with you. Uh, 
many of you in this church family, if you've heard me preach several times or if you've been a part of a Bible study that I've been leading, you've heard me say about a variety of verses, this is one of my favorite verses. I've probably got about 100 different favorite verses <laughs> throughout Scripture. This is one of my favorite verses. And one of the things that, that I always focus on is the last two words in this verse. It's two of the most powerful words in Scripture to me. And I've got Bibles where I've, I've just underlined those two words. I've drawn a box around it. And I want, I want it to resonate with you this morning. That Paul says you're going to have to fight. You're going to have to put on armor. And you've got to recognize there is a battle. When the day of evil comes. Not if the day of evil comes. Not if the battle is going to come. When it does. That you fight and you stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand. And that, man, that means so much to me that at the end of this, even if I fail, even if I fall down, even if I feel like I'm defeated, even if I feel like I've lost the same battle multiple times, Paul says, here's the promise. You're going to be standing. Not because of your amazing ability to fight off sin, but because of your Savior's amazing ability to forgive it. You get to stand. Isn't that awesome? Oh, I love it. But you know what? I want you to pay attention to the phrase before this this morning. After you have done everything. Have I done that? Have I done everything? Have I done everything I can for my spouse? Have I done everything I can for my kids? Have I done everything I can for my parents? Have I done everything I can for this community? Have I done everything that I can for the people that I, that I see, coworkers that are in need of spiritual help and just friendship? Have I done everything I can to get myself out of the financial issues that I'm in? Have I done everything I can to get myself closer to my God and, and recognize his presence in my life? Or am I just kind of coasting? Have I stopped fighting altogether and I'm just kind of sitting and doing nothing? The promise is, at the end of the fight, I'm going to be the one standing if I've put up a fight. Am I still fighting? If not, I need to start. And I need to fight to the end because I'm going to be standing. I'm going to be winning. We all are. So let's fight like we're winners. Let's pray together. God, thank you for today. Thank you for being able to sing to you and pray to you and be reminded of how loved we are by you. And God, I pray this morning, I, I, I believe with all my heart there are people listening to my voice right now who are struggling with a variety of different battles and, and feeling like they're losing or feeling like they're just exhausted, that they're not gaining ground feeling like they can't see a victory in the future. And God, I pray, I pray that you would give them your eyes today to see what you have already done for us, that you've already given us a victory in Jesus and that all we need to do is fight. And God, I, I pray that, that if, if there are people here this morning that have some sin, have some addictions, have some struggles that they're dealing with, that they would be willing to be vulnerable enough to share those things with us. Knowing there's going to be no judgment, there's only going to be love and support. We're going to do whatever we can to help so that we can fight together against our enemy. 
God, I pray that there's people this morning who have not given their lives to you, who have not who have not put on your son in baptism and not wearing your name, that they would choose to enter the battle today. They would choose to give their hearts and their lives to you and choose to allow you to rescue them from the darkness that they're in so that they can fight against it and be victorious. God, I pray that we remember today our reason for fighting, our reason to fight against Satan, and that is because of who you are and what you've done for us that we be reminded that our God is more powerful than anything in this world and anything in all creation, that we recognize that your name is above all names and your power is above all powers and your love for us knows no bounds. Help us to stay focused on that so that we can fight. I'm gonna pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Morning dawns and evening fades, you inspire songs of praise that rise from earth to touch your heart and glorify your name. Your name is a strong and mighty tower, your name. Camera, do you want me to look at number one? All right, perfect. I want to start out, uh, first of all, saying that there's going to be a few changes coming up with the children's uh, Sunday morning um, classes that, that, we, that we do. Um, and the first thing I want to do is thank Christy 
for all of her help over many, many years. Um, so Chrissy, if you'll be making your way up here for me. Um, she has been leading our kids' Bible education on Sunday mornings since 2010, which is when Flagstone started, and, and uh, she was integral to the kids' Bible education over at Southside prior to that. Um, and uh, you, you might not even recognize Christy because she's usually way far back there, but she's actually married to Marshall um, and uh, obviously moved over to Flagstone with, with him. Um, so I'm sure that she is ready to enjoy worship with us in here. Um, I don't know if Marshall's a big fan of that. Um, I'm sure she'll be a fair critic uh, Sunday afternoon. So Christy, I have no idea what is in here. Um, but I'm sure it's fantastic. Thank you. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. All right, so Christy started her retirement from that about this time last year. Um, and so uh, we are hoping to get started again pretty shortly. Uh, I believe it was announced during the uh, family meeting that this summer we are going to offer toddler and three to four year old classes. Um, and then back to full classes uh, in August once the rest of school kicks off. So the big question is who's going to be handling that because you don't want me to do it. Um, it would be a little bit more, a little bit too militaristic, I think, for, for your kids. So thankfully, we found a, uh, a really great fit, someone who has um, a degree in elementary education. She has experience teaching uh, Pre-K, first, second, third, and fourth grade. Uh, I think as her boys get older, she adds a grade every year uh, to, to that. Um, she's been involved in teaching children's Bible classes in the past. Um, of course, I'm talking about Stephanie McReynolds. Um, if you've not ever met her, I encourage you to meet her. She is married to Scott and their three boys, Logan, Caleb, and Austin. Uh, they've been attending here for two years. Um, and uh, been very active in their connection group, which is the same connection group I'm in, so uh, that's how I know her for sure. And um, she's also been uh, involved in the church events. So we are very glad to have Stephanie on board to help out. Um, I'm sure you'll be seeing her around. Yes, thank you. She raised her hand uh, to assist with that at the perfect time. Uh, as we got going again. So now is the part where you get to help. So as we get started again, we need volunteers uh, to, to, to help um, with the classes. It's no long-term commitment, even though I know it really feels like it is, but uh, we use the same scheduling system as the other ministries. So you just go online and you tell us when you're available. Um, if you're done, just tell us that you're done and welcome to come and go. Uh, there's no contract, no two-year contract. Uh, that, that, that you have to sign. The more volunteers we have, the less of a com commitment from everybody. If we have only one volunteer, which is all we have right now uh, from Stephanie, um, then uh, she's got to do everything. But the more people that volunteer, the less uh, that uh, any one person has to do. All the curriculum and materials are provided, so you don't have to think about any of that stuff. Just show up, spend some quality time with the kids, um, and, and enjoy teaching them about Jesus. Just a reminder, so this summer, volunteer opportunities are going to be just the toddlers and the three- and four-year-olds, uh, and then come the fall, we'll, we'll expand to the other classes as well. Um, if you have any questions about that, any interest in that, uh, please see Stephanie uh, after 
uh, after worship. We've got the iPads out there that you're able to sign up today to get into the scheduling system. It then will send you an email and ask for availability, then it automatically schedules. If something has come up in that time, you can tell it, I can't be there this Sunday, I know you automatically scheduled, and then uh, it's no longer your responsibility. So don't be afraid of the online scheduling system. Uh, it is actually really, really very helpful. So see Stephanie after that. Um, again, thank you, Stephanie, so very much. Um, we really, really appreciate her stepping up for that. All right, let's, let's conclude in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you very much for the opportunity to come together and to worship you. We thank you for those who step up uh, to lead and to volunteer in our church. We thank you especially for Jesus, his sacrifice for our sins and our salvation through his resurrection. We ask that you please forgive us our sins, be with us as we go out into the world this week. We look forward to getting back together again with you next weekend. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, let's everyone stand as we close this morning. I'm going to, uh, I've told you before, my mom likes to hear our church sing. So I'm going to put my phone right here and hit record because she loves this song too as much as I do. So I need you to sing out with me this morning. There is beyond the azure blue a God concealed from human sight. He tipped his skies with heavenly hue and framed the worlds with his great might. There is a God.
everybody.